And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. everyone we are live from the bunker and we are experimenting a little bit here today trying a new setup testing a configuration for something we've got coming up a little bit later on So for those of you who are watching live on YouTube, we are also broadcasting live on our Facebook page, testing a a setup here to see if it's actually going to work, because hopefully it's going to work. If it does work, then we can do something that we've got planned a little bit later on this week, uh, and uh, we'll get into that here in a minute. The chat is open um, at least on the YouTube side, I, I need to take a look and see where the comments are uh, as they go on the live stream on, on Facebook. Because, you know, old dog, new tricks, and that sort of thing. So, uh, hello, uh, Sci-Fi Snob in the chat. Yes, fa- well, all of social media is... All of social media is a, um, a blight on our society. But it is, uh, at least for now, a necessary evil uh, because, you know, other things cost money. So, uh, so yeah, the chat is open. We do have an email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And, of course, if you are participating in the playback later, either on video or, uh, or podcast, you can always leave us a comment. Let me click a button here and just double check that it's working. Uh, yeah, it does look like it is. So maybe, yay. All right. So the reason the reason why we're testing this out, I wanted to uh, I wanted to let people know because we are going to be uh, the engineering partner, the broadcast partner uh, for walking and rolling costumes and they are going to be doing a virtual party starting on October 16th it's going to run through the 25th every night at 7 p.m. central we're going to have a program that features uh, the different things that walking and rolling costumes does as an organization uh, information on how you can participate how you can help and we're also going to talk to people who have had uh, who have, have benefited from uh, relationship uh, donations and such from them. Walking and Rolling Costumes builds uh, wheelchair-oriented costumes uh, for kids in, uh, in, in, in wheelchairs, uh, kids with disabilities. So uh, they've done a number of them so far, and we're going to go over and uh, show off a number of those costumes that have been built in the past, talk to the kids, talk to the parents about, uh, you know, the impact and how, how much it has done for them in terms of, you know, these kids are now able to cosplay. 
And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be uh, the engineering partner, I guess you could say, uh, as we go on that uh, to uh, to bring that show to you. So it'll be broadcast live on our YouTube channel, on Walking and Rollins YouTube channel, uh, our Facebook. So we're I'm I'm testing the engineering here just to make sure that we're going to be able to do this, and it does look like we'll probably be able to do this. So I'm very excited about that. <clears throat> All right. So um, real quick, let's mention the deal that we've got set up over at SuperheroStuff.com. You can get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SciFi for me 10 at checkout. And uh, that can be used in combination with other offers. Not everyone, but uh, they do have a bunch of stuff over there. And they're constantly rotating out their... Uh, their inventory, so they've always got new stuff rolling in and stuff rolling out. So go check that out. And tonight on uh, on on H two O, we will be talking about the Alan Moore interview and uh, stuff that's been going on with him. Uh, so that's going to be at uh, nine p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. Central tonight. We're going to be talking about Alan Moore. Tomorrow night, we have stuff going on all the time, folks, I tell you. Tomorrow night, we've got a brand new Salacious Crumbs with the latest news, rumor, and speculation about uh, Star Wars and the Star Wars universe. So that's coming tomorrow. So um, let's see. Something, something says, oh, it looks like Facebook disconnected for some reason. Why did that happen? It's reconnected. Interesting. I will have to uh, I will have to check and see what uh, what we see on that. So interesting. Somehow the bit rate dropped at that point. Well, I'll have to check that. Okay. Yeah, a little in, inside baseball. We'll be taking a look. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob asks, "Is Alan Moore being crazy again?" No, he's he's not. Um, there was an interview with uh, was a Deadline, I think, Hollywood Reporter. He he did an interview. He's got a new project coming out called The Show, which is a, a feature a feature film project. And in the course of that interview, he's talking about superhero movies and, and the evolution of comic books since the days when he was writing. And he has some interesting things to say. And I think, uh, I think there are some things that people don't know that maybe you should know. His daughter took to Twitter, I believe it's his daughter, took to Twitter here not too long ago and and basically said, um, you guys always want to think that Alan Moore is this crazy guy. Uh, what you don't know is all of this. And just went on this uh, uh, Twitter thread talking about uh, how badly corporate publishing in in the form of comics has treated Alan Moore. So we're going to we're going to look at all of that tonight uh, on the H2O podcast. So uh, we do invite you to come back for that. That's at eight o'clock central. So eight hours from now, we will be live for that. Okay, so what we're going to do here, um, I know there's all sorts of chatter about Gal Gadot and, and Cleopatra and all that. I'm going to get into that tomorrow. I want to I do some, some digging and some research. And I, I'm toying with the idea because we are booking guests left and right at this point right now. Uh, we've got uh, 
Rob Geronimo was supposed to be here tomorrow. He ended up having to reschedule, so we're going to move him to next Tuesday. But the rest of the week, we've got uh, interviews lined up. We're booking all of next week. So what we're going to do, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm toying with this idea of whether or not to uh, expand the show to an hour and a half. I, I don't know. Um, why is that? Okay, suddenly I'm getting signal issues on everywhere. That's interesting. Why is that doing that? I haven't changed any settings. YouTube's not receiving enough video to maintain suit. I wonder if it's because I'm sending it to two different places. If the stream is not healthy because it's going in two different places. Hmm. That could be an issue. I will have to look into that. Okay, we're going to investigate that. But hopefully we'll go through this and uh, be able to uh, get that to you. And... Huh. I tell you what. Well, Facebook has decided it's not going to do... Okay, I just buffered. Okay, so I'm going to end the video going to uh, going to Facebook because... So let's try that and see if that gets us any better of a, of a signal. Let me just exit out of that because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. So let's see what that does for the stream health over on, on YouTube. Because if that's going to be an issue, we're going to have to uh, figure that out. So, all right. Okay, we should be back, at least on YouTube. We went ahead and canceled out the, the Facebook, so hopefully we don't have any lag because I want to be able to play this interview uh, that we recorded with uh, uh, Jennifer and Anthony Cook. Uh, they are the authors of a new book that uh, is going to... Uh, sound, it's, it's, it's an interesting premise, so we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into that. So right after this message... But yeah, it's it's one of those things we've been thinking about because we we get we're getting guests booked on the show uh, often enough. I don't always get a chance to spout off and rant the way I'm kind of thinking I I might want to. So I'm wondering, and this is just a wondering at this point. We're not changing anything yet, but the, the, the question is whether or not it would make sense for me to do kind of an opening, opening monologue type of thing for like a half an hour or so before we get into the one-hour conversation with the guest. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kicking around ideas. I don't have anything specific. Um. <clears throat> But anyway, coming up on the show this week, Alan Stroud will be here on Wednesday, and Brian Cato will be here on Thursday. Brian has written a book. Well, they're, they've both written books. Uh, Brian Cato, we had timed it to go with the presidential election because Brian's written a book called Candidate Spectrum about a superhero who decides to run for president. We figured, oh, hey, it's the 15th. There'll be another presidential debate. It all works out. 
then there wasn't a debate anymore. So, yeah, uh, uh, I, one show a week for a rant, I, I think, maybe. Um, we've also looked at the fact that, you know, we're booking so many guests that maybe we do Monday through Friday. I mean, we're kicking around a number of different ideas. We haven't settled on anything yet uh, to figure out exactly what we're going to do. We, we It's a continuous process of review and revision and, and figuring things out. So... Uh, we will uh, we will continue forward with gusto, no matter what it is that we do. All right, when we get back here, we're going to start talking with the Cooks about their new book, Percivious Insomnia. Don't go away. When it comes to Star Wars news, is it better to get it in the corporate package or from fellow fans? For all the latest news, rumor, and speculation, check us out on Sci-Fi For Me TV, Salacious Crumbs. We are going to put some rules in place. The grown-ups are back. And this time... Don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it. No subject is sacred. When they're making fun of him for being a Christian... Well, but no issue is ignored. This is a tragedy. This is a, a horrible thing. And no one is safe. But as someone who deals with depression, I, this, is, this is an issue with me. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back in the bunker. And today, we have uh, guests. Uh, it's, it's rare that we have more than one person joining us uh, on, on the same occasion. But today, we have two cooks in the kitchen. I had to. I had to. Right? <laughs> Jennifer and Anthony Cook, MD, joins us uh, today here in the bunker. Welcome, the both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. The very first book that you've ever put out, it's called Percivious Insomnia. We got our copy uh, last week. And uh, first of all, congratulations on getting a book published. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and... The premise is interesting, and I'll we'll, we'll get into that here in in a moment. But the first thing to ask is how how your 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 marriage survived working together. <laughs> is that a is that a thing that uh, ever became a concern? You two, I mean, this is your first project together. I'm assuming. Because sure. Jennifer, you've been in marketing. Uh, Anthony, you're a you're a surgeon. And, and you, those two things don't necessarily lend themselves to a cooperative venture very much. So how did how did that work? How did you guys survive working together on this project? You want me to speak to it? <laughs> um, you know, we built. We actually have been working together on some other projects um, on an ongoing basis. We built two homes together, so we survived that. So we thought, hey, if we can do that, we can do a book, right? <laughs> so. 
um, it's been actually a lot of fun. I think the two of us are um, bringing together two different perspectives. And we, we really actually do write pretty much every sentence together. It's not, you know, you do this chapter or I do another one. It's not um, that, you know, one of us is really coming up with the majority. We, we truly do um, write this together. So I think it's been it's been a lot of fun. I guess we're well suited to to work together. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's quite amazing. It actually makes our marriage even better. So we we are so complimentary, as Jennifer said. What I lack, she she has. I I, I lack a lot, and <laughs> and she has a uh, she brings a lot to the table. And we have disagreements, of course, when we're discussing plot lines and story arcs because this is one of three it's a trilogy and it's just incredible like when i think of something to write and she's there it just gets better and better and better she, she makes me a way better writer so i i understand that from that then i take it that uh Anthony, you've done the bulk of the of the writing part. Is that what I'm hearing, or that's a that's a completely shared burden between the two of you? It, it is. Yeah. If we had to speak percentages, Jennifer would probably do more of the actual writing, uh, but we do do it together. Yeah, the editing. I would say the editing is done. You know, with both of us working in you know the whole the whole thing, hundred percent. Now, this being the first novel, how much fiction have have you written before? Because I understand, you know, Jennifer, with your your background in marketing and promotions, you've you've done that part, I'm sure, with copywriting and 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 such. And and Doctor Cook probably has done a number of academic papers and and presentations and that sort of thing. It doesn't always translate into making stuff up as far as creating fiction and world building and, and that sort of thing. So how much of a learning curve was there for you two to step into this compared to other writing that you've done? I think that Jennifer is an incredible writer. Absolutely amazing. She comes up with ideas. She comes up with thoughts. And it, it amazes me every single day. And with our, with our backgrounds, as, as you mentioned, yeah, I've done a lot of academic writing, which is very dry, very to the point, very uh, non-descriptive, so to speak. But to be able to do this, to be able to flourish and create something, uh, we truly have been creating a couple worlds, and it's been absolutely astounding. And, and I don't want to say it's easy, but... It is extremely satisfying, and we've been marketing Perseverance Insomnia over the last several months, and we are getting back into writing the bulk of the second uh, installment, and then we, we miss it. We miss it terribly. Writing's always been a passion of mine. Yes, I have written in a marketing capacity, so it's a lot of um, copy for advertisements, those types of things. But I've also, at a university level, taken writing, um, serious writing courses, that kind of thing. So I have um, explored that throughout the marketing career. So it was always just something that I was super passionate about and, and wanted to explore. So it's been an exciting venture, and we've been so lucky to have the response that we have. 
Um, we've been see receiving a lot of strong reviews and um, yeah, it's been um, amazing to have that kind of um, reaction, especially to a first novel. Now, uh, Anthony, you mentioned two worlds uh, without getting too far into spoilers uh, or, or too deep in the weeds, let's let's introduce people to the concept here because we've been talking about your process, but we haven't actually talked about the story yet. So, Percivius Insomnia. Uh, I, I want to circle back to Percivius for for a minute here. I'm going to put a pin in that and come back to it. But this basically, uh, from what I'm reading, the description of it, uh, there is another global pandemic. Uh, that is insomnia. It's it's people who can't can't get to sleep, and you're you're basically hinting that this has something to do with the foundations of humanity, the origins of humanity. Or am, am I am I a, safe in assuming that we're going to have aliens at some point? Is there some sort of an extraterrestrial component here, or a ghost? I think, or I think it depends on your definition of aliens, because the individuals who are creating this insomnia were actually our cetacean or hominid cousins from millions of years ago. Okay. And so, again, don't want to give too much of it away, but... Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, but they had to flee the Earth because of a enormous asteroid was going to was going to sterilize the earth and destroy every living thing and but they had they evolved um a society 300 million years you know we humans are three and a half four million years of evolution for hominid primate evolution so going back 300 million years is is where these individuals um, evolved. And over the last several years, Jennifer and I have seen such a degradation of society and just everyone is just so out for themselves and there's no humanity anymore. And so we started thinking about, imagine a society that developed with true empathy and altruism. And that's why we came up with the the term Percivius is the ultimate in altruism. And so we fabricated this society of, of beings that are better than us. Now the, the word Percivius is a construct. Am, am I, am I getting that right? Because I, I tried to look it up and didn't find it. So I'm assuming that this is a, this is a new word it's a new word, yes. Are, are you deriving it from Latin origins, or is this just something that just sounds good? No, it just it just came out. It just came out of our of our of our meetings. We would we would have uh, sort of every Friday we'd have a meeting and, and go out and, and discuss the book and the chapter, and we just discuss what the book could be called, and then it just came out of the, the two of us together. Okay, so we've danced around it a little bit. Why don't you give me the, the, the Reader's Digest logline of what this particular book is about, and then maybe we'll get into how it sets up the trilogy, because you, you, as you say, you're working on the second book now. So what, what do I expect when I pick up this book and I read it? What's gonna, what am I going to get? Well, 
in terms of a log line, it's literally, um, you've got uh, Dr. Cooper Delaney, who's developed Noctural, it's a sleep aid. And even though in early testing, it's showing 100% effectiveness, all of a sudden for no inexplicable reason, it um, stops working. And what that does is it leads to um, um, all of a bunch of multidisciplinary scientists, the FBI, the, um, the uh, media all come together in this, um, you know, diverging storylines to um, realize that it has a bigger impact and that it's something that um, is going to impact um, humanity as we know it. So um, hopefully that kind of gives you a bit of a teaser about what it, you know, mm -hmm. is overall. I think it's worth mentioning too that, you know, writing about a pandemic was interesting because we've worked on this first novel over seven years it's been on and off and a project that we've you know loved to work on but um it's just been done over time and i remember when we were working on the trailer um it was wording that we were working on and the images for the trailer and i said to anthony i think that pandemic is too strong a word we should maybe use epidemic and he's like no no pandemic is the proper term so we've got to go with that and we did and you know there we were months later in a pandemic of mm -hmm. our own so it was very kind of you know ironic and surprising and and you know even though insomnia isn't what we're dealing with right now i think that um, a lot of people are having trouble sleeping so mm -hmm. it sort of is a topic that um, will hit home with a lot of people it is fiction absolutely but um there's a lot of um elements that you can uh, definitely relate to because of our current uh, pandemic situation right now well and speaking of the trailer we do have that pulled up here why don't we go ahead and play that so okay. people can kind of get an idea of what this is about here we go So how did you get connected with Friesen Press? Is that uh, is that somebody you know or the you you found them, they found you? How did that work out? We were um, investigating, you know, who we wanted to kind of uh, work with. We um, were approached by a number of um, potential publishers. Um, we did decide we wanted to stick with a Canadian publisher. Friesen Press has um, um, a good solid reputation and you know it was um, something that was important to us even just the look and feel of the book and and that type of thing it's interesting though right now because you can publish anywhere on any anyone can publish on Amazon um, 
Amazon is selling the most books, you know, obviously, I think everybody um, knows that, especially during the pandemic right now, I think that um, most people are ordering books online. There's also a, a huge uh, market for audiobooks. We're going to be releasing our audiobook actually in the next coming weeks. So, um, you know, that's exciting as well. But it was interesting. I wasn't sure what was going to happen when the pandemic hit because we were still in the editing process. And um, nothing stops the publishing industry. It just fires ahead. So we just <laughs> kept going with it. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty exciting to see it on, on Amazon right now. And uh, yeah, we're, like I said, we're just excited to um, have the release of the, um, the audio book as well with Audible. Over in the comics industry, uh, there are a number of people that are starting to use crowdfunding Indiegogo Kickstarter and among the professionals, the people who have actually been doing work over at DC Marvel, they're starting to get out on their own and launch their own projects. And there's been some blowback on that a little bit as far as the timing. Do you really want to do that right now? So have you, have you, have you gotten any feedback are you worried about uh any kind of blowback on the timing of this uh with the with the pandemic being such an element not necessarily the same pandemic of course but just the idea of a pandemic in the book are you worried that people are going to look at that and go you know i i have enough of that in 2020 now i'll i won't i'm not going to read this right yet that's, that's, a, that's a very good point we we work kind of concerned when, when this all blew up February, March. But again, this was something that we've been developing over a number of years. And, you know, this was going to be published last year, but then we, we had a couple of things that we had to deal with from an editing perspective. And then, you know, days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months. It's, it's incredible how long it actually takes to go from a finished product to a hardcover book in your hand yeah and so that we, we don't want to sound like we're pandering being all pandemic here's a pandemic book a yeah. pandemic book because because this i would have preferred it if it didn't come out during a pandemic and the pandemic never happened um to be perfectly honest but um from our perspective it it just felt like well we've been working on this for this long and this is the time to do it and, and again this is not the end of the story this is just the beginning so the pandemic is going to be gone in a year, hopefully, uh, with vaccines coming out and, and, and whatnot. So, but this Persevious story will be around, it'll be another five years to, to have the other two books. And there's potential for other books to come because, you know, at the end of the third book, uh, with our story arc, there's still potential for, for further uh, inquiry, so to speak. So let me ask you this, being up in Canada... <clears throat> You mentioned earlier uh, this notion that we have uh, become a little bit more coarse in our interactions online and, and in person. We're not as, like you said, we're not as altruistic as we used to be. Uh, are you seeing a lot of that up in Canada in, in person, or is this a lot of online behavior uh, that leads you down this path in terms of how people are treating each other. Well, I think it's I think it's both, and you know everyone thinks that Canadians are 
also polite and everything, but not necessarily. Uh, with, <laughs> with myself working in, in, in healthcare, I've been at this hospital, this children's hospital in Calgary for well, 15 years. And just in that 15 year period, there, there has been a drastic reduction in just human civility. Uh, individuals, the, you know, the demands of individuals, the expectations. Like, I, I see somebody in the hallway and say hi to everybody, smile, a porter, uh, the chief of surgery, doesn't matter who you are, we're all, we're all humans. And my, my secretary, unfortunately, you know, gets yelled at on a daily basis from, from individuals demanding, demanding things. And, but then when they talk to me, it's, oh, you're the doctor and they treat me with the utmost respect. And it's like, no, treat her with the same respect. Treat right. everybody with the same respect because we all deserve that. And there has been a degradation in society over the last several years. And it's not stopping. It's just getting worse, to be, to be honest. Every single person on social media, I mean, we're not social media people whatsoever, but you, you look at it and, you, and you, you see it. And there's just, there's never a, you know, the news is always bad. There's never good news stories anymore, to be perfectly honest. And it's, and it's, and it's quite depressing, actually. Well, and I looked at uh, Twitter and noticed that neither of you are there, which is probably one of the smartest things that you can do in this year. Um, it's it, it does th this does come up with a number of people that I talk with in terms of interacting in social media. What what social media in general has done to us uh, more than for us, and it seems like. Uh, this idea of uh, the benefits of technology are getting outweighed by this pernicious, insidious uh, underbelly that's just kind of degrading, like you said, it's degrading our behavior. Is that something that gets addressed directly in this story? I mean, you talk about pernicious and you talk about the altruism and stuff. How does that factor into what you're trying to do in the book? I think what it's going to demonstrate is by the end of the third book, we are going to look at ourselves and say, why can't we be more like our cousins? Are? And why can't we go back to that? society like the anonymity of social media the things that you see and hear online you would never say that face to face or even on the phone with somebody but the but the but the blanket of anonymity with a, with a screen it, it, i mean you're looking at us face to face this this is not anonymous but it's even more so when you just have text and the text comes up and it's just vicious vitriolic just horrible and it, as I said, it's quite depressing. That I, I, I don't want to get down on everything, but we don't address that specifically in the in the books. But it will become very apparent that by the end of the third book, it's it's going to be demonstrated that we should be better as a species. Well, and we found it fascinating to kind of explore a uh, civilization that is very advanced, that advances, but not the way we have, not with this tie to technology or this expectation that, um, you know, this is the only way to connect with each other. So um, we're excited to we're excited to be able to um, explore that more and bring that out in the, in the next novel. And environmental destruction as well, because yeah. that's that's going to be 
the key key feature of of our cousins. They're going to have zero carbon footprint. They're going to have zero impact on the earth. In fact, they're going to make the earth better by being there. We're making this place much much worse by being here. And so that's another key component of the of the book as well. And it's important Anthony's describing them as cousins, which is good hominid cousins. Um, I think it's important to look at them almost like a comparison, like dogs to wolves. I mean, they're similar to us. We don't want them to, you know, be um, placed in the minds of people as a aliens, quote right. aliens. So um, that's going to make um, the next uh, installments of the trilogy very interesting to see their interactions with us, you know, and this um, these hominid cousins that we're going to learn about about too. This is their planet, not ours. Right. We are guests here, and they were the original founders, so to speak. Right. And when you're doing your research for your world building, how in-depth are you getting with this ancient civilization? Where are you drawing from in terms of uh, your your basis for comparison, as it were? Atlantis, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Toltecs? I mean, are, how far back are you going and how, how deep is your research to craft this other civilization and then project forward what would they would be like it's been it, it's actually been great to be able to to look into because i i'm very very uh average science fiction science plausible fan and going into specific you know evolutionary pathways that that could have happened um we've gone into that I mean, we've gone into utilization of of resources on earth and it every time we turn a page so to speak we just open up a whole other a whole other tree with branches of, of research that, that that we do but it's it's not work it's it's enjoyable it's it's a hobby it's something that that i enjoy thoroughly and learning about all the different um, structures of civilizations uh, and where they can go, and then also being able to sort of theorize and extrapolate ourselves is has been great because together Jennifer and I work on well, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And 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 we think would that be plausible from a scientific perspective? And of course, there, there there's science fiction in this book, but I think a lot of it is uh, yeah, potentially plausible. It's like Star Trek back in the '60s, you know, trying to make a tricorder, and a lot of science tech came out of Star Trek, like real, like science fiction became kind of, kind of science reality. I was just watching uh, here not too long ago. I caught a video from a, a group of people that have actually made a plasma lightsaber, 4,000 degrees. I mean, it actually, it actually is one of those things. I'm like, you know, technology starts when technology starts to catch up to science fiction or speculative fiction, where do you go from there? And now, and now it feels like almost some speculative fiction is turning internal, and it's more of a where are we now? Where do we want to go? As opposed to you know, three hundred years in the future, let's do some self-examination. Where where do we want to be that far out? When you talk about the environmental stuff and some of the different things that you want to do with the book. There have been discussions over the last five, six years especially 
the debate about message fiction versus fiction that entertains uh, first. Are you looking at a priority one or the other? I mean, is the goal to get a message out or is the goal to sit there and say, and, and we're going to, we're going to tell a story and Oh, by the way, here's an idea to think about. What was, what was the, the priority going into it? Right. Um, you know, it's tough to say, I think we're sort of 50, 50 split on that. We definitely want it to have a strong message. It will have a strong message, but, um, the entertainment value is something that um, we didn't want to sacrifice. And we're seeing that come up uh, the Kirkus review we had back for instance, mentions that it, you know, has a cinematic feel to it. I think when you're reading the book, it reads a bit like a movie or a, a Netflix, you know, series. So um, I think we've got a bit of both of that. If I had to choose one or the other though, like this message is important. And I think that, um, you know, to explore a civilization that comes from a, cita a citation line. So you're looking at how, and we've done all this research on how dolphins interact and how they communicate and that, you know, their, um, their brains are different. The emotional center is much larger than ours. So um, it's, it's fascinating to explore, you know, what an evolution, if they would have stayed on land, would have looked like. Um, when you look at the skeleton of a dolphin, it still has towards the ends of that um, spinal column, like hip bones. So at one point they were, you know, um, mm -hmm. out here with us, chose to go back, but what if they'd stayed? So that's sort of um, a fascinating thing to look at. And um, yeah, I think that there's a big takeaway in terms of the message that we're talking about. Um, if they did advance, the culture did advance. We're not activists and we're not preachy no. or anything by that stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, I've worked in healthcare all my life and I'd like to think that I have a significant amount of empathy to, to, to choose that as a career and the sacrifices that, that, that I've made, that Jennifer's made to be married to me, be married mm -hmm. to a surgeon. There's a lot of late nights and, but it's, the goal to help people and you know there's we haven't been an activist type family no. preachy at all no. this this has been a great adventure it's brought us together and even more so than i think anything yeah, as a as a couple and the, the great thing about this is is that we don't need this to make rent like this is a kind of like we, we wrote this for ourselves and then we started realizing this is something that is a great, uh, a great book, and we want to share it. And so we went down the marketing pathway, and, and then continued uh, along there. And we, it was never going to be a, a trilogy. That just kind of happened. I remember seeing a documentary on J.K. Rowling. How she said, "Oh, that would do the book wrote, wrote, wrote itself." And I thought, "Oh man, that's that's just a crock. That's, that's marketing." But it's incredible the people that we have created we know exactly what they're going to do we don't know who they are they are real people to us and we, one night we were discussing the, the second and third and also in the story arc just came out of nowhere the both of us and and that solidified the 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 entire um next three three years of our writing career and that is so satisfying even just even just um 
thinking about that, those those days, and, and we've had innumerable innumerable days discussing and writing, and, and that's been such a joy. You mentioned the characters being real to you. Are they based on people that you know, people that you've come across in your research? Are they are they kind of an, an amalgam of of personalities that you've experienced over the years? There, it's it's great because they they are an amalgam of you know there's a bit of me and this person a bit of Jennifer and this person um, but there's no one character apart from one character who his name's Jack he's a he's a journalist in in Victoria uh, British Columbia and my very best friend uh, he is a journalist in Victoria. And so that's the only character that is, is essentially based on, 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 on a real person. The rest are our amalgamation of different experiences that we've had in, in life. Yeah, he's our one muse, so we've got, we've got one there. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this, Jennifer, because you mentioned uh, the idea of the cetaceans being, being the ancient civilization. A lot of times we look back and... And there are a lot of people who uh, look at simians, you know, the the apes and humans connection. Why go with the cetaceans as opposed to your usual ancient ancestors type of story? What what, what decided you in that direction? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, I think it was just through the research that we were doing um, for this first novel, for Presidious Insomnia. And we were sort of looking, we knew that, you know, at one point they're going to need to leave the planet and, you know, it will kind of move, you know, away from the earth. Um, so I think we were looking for um, potential in something that is obviously um, advanced mammal species. And and um, it was just an, an interesting um, fit. It was, it was interesting. We wanted to explore that. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they, the you know, they're they're extremely smart. Uh, you know, people say dolphins are the second smartest animal on Earth, maybe number one. And again, it just sort of came to us as like, where where do these cousins come from? Our our, our ancient ancestors, uh, and then it, and then research down that sort of pathway. So that's great. That's a perfect perfect fit. It just it just melded into the into the storyline perfectly, and the the idea that uh, uh, dolphins being smarter it it brings to mind uh, Douglas Adams, <laughs> you know. So long and thanks for all the fish. Uh, are are we? Are, are we going to get any, how much humor is in this uh, story? Because it, on the face of it, it it sounds pretty grim. And it's, it, 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 are, we, are we looking at thriller, mystery, uh, just straight drama? Uh, how, much, how much humor is in this book? You know what? It's a, it's a good question. I think there is humor, but you're probably going to find it more between the characters. Um, uh, the book is a, t a tricky one. It's a tough one to just stick in one drama or in genre. Sorry, I think that you're looking at uh, yeah, medical thriller, thriller, um, sci-fi for sure, but maybe more towards uh, alternate history. 
Um, and it, that's what's making it um, a good a good read, though. It's like you know you get engaged in the story and not so much deep into one genre or another. Um, it's uh, it makes it a, a bit more like it gives it more entertainment value from from my perspective. How do you feel? Yeah, it's like it's like uh, we've had many individuals review it and people have purchased the book. And friends of mine who are nurses, colleagues, and and two of them just actually yesterday said, you know, I don't like science fiction, but I was, I was compelled. Like we had friends over the other day, and I wanted them to leave because I wanted to finish the book. <laughs> and 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 I said, you'd be honest with me because you know you, yeah. you you know me. Yeah. And 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 it, it truly is, you know, science fiction, thriller, drama, everything that you said, mystery, it, it's alternative history. It's all, it, it, it's all that, um, and more. I think, so it it can't be fit into one little neat box i think it's the, the story itself is is the the compelling feature and the interactions between the individuals it's a bit dystopian well yes because our world is, is dystopic like the, the the first book is is you know basically you know now and what people are doing and and, and everyone's flawed because we all are and in the book a lot of people are up for themselves and a lot of people are and so that is like a, a reality. It's, it's, it's a reality book. You mentioned friends and colleagues who have have read the book so far. Are are you getting treated any differently uh, now that you've written a book? I've I've had uh, situations where. You know, my my day job is in media production. So when people find out that I've done, you know, short films or movies or work in television, oh, that's so cool! And and suddenly, suddenly they're looking at me a little bit differently. Have you had that experience? Are are, are people now interacting with you differently now that you've now that you're authors? People are surprised because I, I mean, I'm a bit of a, I don't know. I'm, Introvert, bit of a greeting, greeting idiot, <laughs> so to so to speak, and um, so no, they're they they're not surprised. I don't think. I think people who know me know us. I mean, not, not arrogant people, but they're pretty intelligent. Um, I did very well in medical school. I was a gold medalist in in, in my class, and. I was just lucky that I was born with an eidetic memory. Like, medical school is easy. It, it sounds crass, but it was because I remembered every single page because it was just a photograph in my mind. And so we were not treated any differently. I think people are saying, well, I'm glad you're doing that. You guys, you know, this isn't your whole night. You, you bigger, better things to do. Yeah, we've had a lot of support. You know, people are like, that's crazy. That's great, crazy that you're that you're going ahead and, and, you know, pursuing this and publishing this book. To be honest, I wasn't, I cried the first few reviews. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe that we're, you know, um, getting the response we have. Because again, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're, you're making a big commitment and you're making like, you know, you're putting yourself out there as something like a novel, any artist, really any mm -hmm. artist. But, um, we've just been so, um, fortunate that it's been well received so far and, uh, it encourages us to keep going with it. 
Now, the idea of reviews uh, calls to mind because you, Jennifer, I'm, I'm sure that you've had this experience where clients will come back and say, oh, I don't like this idea. This is, this is not what I wanted. But you creating, you're basically your own client in this. You're creating this, this thing. And uh, Anthony, you mentioned going through the editorial process. There are those pain points where somebody says, your baby is ugly, we have to fix it. Oh. I, how, how much of that, I, and was that hard? Uh, you know, in, in terms of the learning process for, for doing this kind of thing, because like, like we talked about, it's different from academic papers or marketing stuff. Now, this is you on the page, essentially, and you have somebody with a big red pen going, nope, 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 change this, change that. It's, it's very, very, it can be very raw. I, I think Jennifer was much more sensitive to it than I, than I was. Um, but it is truly like, it's, it's like, a child it's you you create this and and you're protective of it and you're very sensitive to it uh, and i just think that you know it was it was heartwarming seeing jennifer we've got this five-star review that thankfully it was a very first review we've got a couple you know not, not so great ones but the majority have been great luckily the first one was great because that sort of thing boosted our confidence a bit but it was it was so heartwarming saying jennifer literally was crying and oh. so happy and it, it's like seeing your your child uh, you know uh, up on the stage and uh, and the, uh, at the recital doing, doing a great job well it's good though because you sort of talked about when we're working together um what's that like and you know how does it work within your marriage i think we are our own worst critics he is brutally honest and there's been times he's like oh my god you cannot say that and <laughs> Vice versa. I mean, like we do a lot of this editing together, right? If it leaves us two, hopefully it has a good chance, right? But um, yeah, it's it's been. Um, I've learned so much, so much. It's a new industry for us, and I mean, um, having something published is a labor of love and an investment of time, and really your whole soul goes into this. So, um, I just encourage people to be supportive of anyone who's you know venturing into this and uh, I know on our, our Instagram we are constantly featuring other authors and um, you know we follow a lot, of, a lot of other writers to learn but also to, to promote their work but it, it, would, it would be I think it would be very very difficult I mean we're, we're lucky because we, we do have the financial means to be able to to create this you you mentioned in the in the, in the graphic novel and comic industry how there's crowdfunding and, and, and crowdsourcing. I, I think it'd be very it'd, it'd be it's unfortunate that there's individuals who, who who create incredible novels and graphic novels and never will, will will they see their their work come to completion because it just the industry is such as it is now that they don't have the financial means. And, and that is, is unfortunate. Now, did you talk about at any point crowdfunding this book? Uh, you mentioned uh, looking specifically for a Canadian publisher. Uh, was that the plan the whole time? We need to find a publisher for this book. We're not going to do it ourselves, just you know, like print on demand or go through Amazon or CreateSpace. We want to have a publisher. What are the advantages of that? Uh, the the way you've gone through this process, what decided you 
there and and said we've we've got to have a publisher on this and not just do it ourselves. Yeah. We, we never thought about that crowdfunding. We should do that. No, we never did <laughs> consider crowdfunding. The good thing about Freeze and Press is it's it's a bit of a um, best of both worlds. I mean, we were able to keep all of the um, the rights and whatnot we did. So it is self-publishing in one um, aspect because we did contribute to, uh, financially to the publication of the book, but it was important for us to keep all the, the rights and have the advantages of, of self-publishing. Um, yeah, that's not something we considered was crowd crowdfunding. Um, it's just, uh, I think that if you want to um, if you want to put your work out there in uh, is sort of a, a platform that's timely and um, you know that represents how you want the book rep to be represented, um, there are sort of limited options, and you know it would be good to see more um, selection or choice for for authors for sure. Now the uh, a lot of books these days. Even before they hit the shelves, we're getting these announcements in Hollywood Reporter and Variety and Deadline, and, you know, that Amazon's picked this up and Netflix has picked this up, and, and the book's not even out yet. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I, I look at this, and one of the one of the complaints uh, that I hear frequently in in the comics industry is there are a lot of them that are writing comics as their audition for the Netflix deal. At any point during all of this, were there conversations about the potential for adaptation? Or are you looking at this, because you, know, you say it reads like a movie, it's almost cinematic in, in how it plays out. Have there been discussions about, well, what if Netflix calls or what if Amazon calls? Have you thought about that at all or we're just going to write the book? Oh, no, I think that it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make an amazing uh, trilogy. It's going to be the next new modern masterpiece. I can't wait for Ron Howard to give us a call. And, uh... <laughs> That's great. It's great if it happens. Um, I just think if you look at some of the best movies or you know series on Netflix, there, like a lot of times, it's not a screenplay; it's a book. But I think the process of writing a book. Um, not in all cases, but I think like it forces you to kind of think through the plot and, you know, really develop dialogue for the characters and it's, um, I'm not, I don't know if it makes necessarily a better movie or a better series, but, um, it's important to focus on the, on the book and the, and the novel first and I think and, and see where it goes. Anything crop up that you weren't expecting in this process that just really caught you up short? And you thought, oh, I had not expected X to happen during all of this. Well, distance learning was one. I have a seven-year-old. So <laughs> <laughs> I was up at four in the morning trying to meet uh, publication deadlines for editing and revisions. And that was that was challenging for sure. Um, but... Uh, I think like the, the, just the, you know, the big five, publishing houses how we get deeper into you know as Jennifer said this is an industry that both of us had no idea we had nothing I mean Jen was in marketing but she was not in in book marketing no. um, and in my world this is the farthest away from business sort of aspect and just how the publishing industry like it is it is so streamlined now and so difficult to 
to crack into as you said they're you know the book isn't even out and it has a netflix deal like how did that happen like is that you know no offense to marvel or anything but then you know the 23rd 24th 25th um avengers movie like it's it's going to do well of course it will so taking a risk on something that's you know we're anonymous we're first time you know authors and so so why would you take a risk on on us where you can do a an, another spider-man and that's that's a you know a, a a box office hit from the from the very start so you don't blame the big publishing houses and and you know hollywood for for being the way it is because it's a business and it, and it has to continue you know paying uh, the individuals who, who, who invest in it. But, th- but that was a bit, um, a bit of an affront. It, it, like it, it's just so hard to, and then, as I mentioned earlier, like it, it, it made me think, imagine somebody who, who's, you know, has got this incredible book and they're, they're a barista at, 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 at Starbucks and their book is, is truly like a masterpiece, but it, no one will ever see it because they don't have the, they don't have the means or, or don't have the connections to to enable it to get into the right hands. Now you have a public uh, a publicity uh, representative. You have people that are helping you market the book, uh, and you mentioned with Friesen, it's almost as if you're self-published in a way. Uh, some of the conversations that I've had with authors in the past, as the industry has evolved, uh, a lot of the onus of marketing and promotions and publicity is on the author now as opposed to 5 10 15 20 years ago when the when the when the publisher would be the ones to put all of that together the press junkets and the signings and the interviews and the TV appearances and all of that do you feel any any pressure on that side of things is this you know taking up a lot more effort than than you anticipated in order to come out and even just promote this oh definitely definitely it is it's um it's a lot of effort and you know time that goes into it um and yes you need to be on all these platforms the social media everything there's an expectation that regardless of who the publisher is um the author is the one indeed who who they they want to be doing the promotion that's i think why it was so important for us to hold the rights to it and keep those because we knew going in that we would be the ones who would have to really be the ones promoting it. So if we're going to invest all this time, effort, resources, etc., then we want to be, you know, um, the ones who get to control the, the project or, you know, be the ones who decide on the look, the feel, what's written in the book, that type of thing. So, yeah, it is something to consider. Was there anything in this book that you were not able to do? Or, you know, pieces of the story that maybe got cut out or ideas that just didn't quite gel that maybe uh, you've set aside and said, okay, well, we'll revisit that. How, how much of that is, is out there? Do you have a notebook of everything we didn't use is here? Yeah. I think, yeah, I th- and, and I think that's where, you know, we'll circle back to different storylines that have not been developed to the level that we want them to be developed in the in the first book and so that's I think that's it's almost like a safety net oh we have to be a book two and book three to be able to to reconcile these uh, these uh, missing pieces so to speak and 
the the book kind of develops organically. Like it, it's, it's amazing how plot lines come up as we're talking, as as we're discussing, and that then leads us down a whole other path of five, six, seven chapters that we weren't expecting. And, and again, how it like quote unquote writes itself. That's that's something that that is, I believe now having having you know authored this book with Jennifer that that truly does happen. And it's interesting, like we were able to um, retain some elements that were important to us. I think it's chapter 34, where it's literally kind of developed like a split screen. So it's the book is the pages are split half and half. We've got two characters on um, identical timelines. And then it kind of at the end of the chapter um, reconciles a situation that's going on. I don't want to give too much away, but it was important that it be laid out like that. And um, I'm really glad we stuck with it because I think it has a much, a much bigger impact. So um, there are a elements that you know you're going to find in there that you might not find in other books they're shorter chapters they're concise there's a number of different characters but each chapter can kind of stand on its own so it um it makes for a, a really thoughtful interesting read it's fast-paced and um you really want to make sure you're kind of um, following the storyline and these characters become your characters yeah like we purposely left descriptions a little bit vague on all of them. So then, you know, my Cooper Delaney looks different than Jennifer's Cooper Delaney, than your Cooper Delaney, because that invokes ownership. So it, 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 the, the, reader, the reader will be even more enthralled because they have vested interests, because, oh, that's my Cooper. That's like, it, it's, it's interesting. There was a one character that I, I thought was black and Jen thinks is white, but it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It, it's just, that's just who, who, who that's, that's who I see the character yeah. and Jen sees the character as, as that. And I think it's great because at the end of the day, it's, I, I own that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, there is, there's a strong characteriza characterization in the book. Um, and I think you're going to identify with these individual characters less on their physical appearance though, and more and how they think. So you get right into the heads of these people, which is, uh, fascinating to, to both of us but um, we do want people to own this you know story and that was one way that mm. we felt they could engage more with it. That raises an interesting question about uh, this idea of representation because it gets it gets bandied about quite a bit are are you do you have any concerns at all if you're leaving your characterizations vague enough that nobody feels like, uh, any one particular character is any one particular type. Uh, do you anticipate issues with that down the road that somebody is going to sit there and say, well, you don't have enough representation or, or you know, there's, there's X and so fill in the blank, whichever group you left out. But it sounds like you're leaving out everything and 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 just keeping things vague enough that people can just fill in the blanks. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, yes and no, because because we we um, like we, we have a transgender character in in the book and we, we originally wrote this individual as as a cis female. And but then we were discussing uh, and Jennifer's idea was to, was to have a transgender character. And literally it took just two sentences to 
turn that individual into a, a transgender individual. And, but nothing else changed because we were all the same. And so we, I, I think we would have the ability very easily to characterize these individuals further and much deeper if necessity, uh, if, if, if that's something that's needed. And I think it was important to introduce this character. Uh, we weren't going to do it in the first novel, but we decided to to um, revise and then include that. Anthony, as a urologist, performs over 200 sexual reassignment surgeries um, thus far. And, you know, obviously we don't share specifics, but just the general stories of these individuals has impacted myself and obviously him so greatly that we really wanted to um, have something in the book to acknowledge that. Now, are, are there are there moments in this process because being a married couple and working together and and you have your your rhythms and your shorthand and and your understandings uh, between the two of you? Were there any knockdown, drag out disagreements of of this has to be in the book? No, this has to come out, or was it was it fair, fairly easy between the two of you? Or oh, it's and and it's not like we're we're like this perfect couple. Believe me, that we we have we're human, and I'd be hard to live with. Believe me, and, <laughs> you're lucky you don't have to live with yourself. Yeah, and. Uh, like I, I hear, oh Cookie, what do you do, Cookie? Because my nickname is Cookie, so it's like, oh Cookie, what'd you do this time? And I've heard that uh, thousands of times from Jennifer. But <laughs> we have very impassioned ar arguments, but they're they're constructive. It's like, prove to me why you think that we should go on this route, this chapter. Okay, and there's no ego. Jennifer is right. Okay, I I I I. I to see that you're 100% yep, I can see your, your, your argument. Other times, no, Jen, this has to be this. And if I prove her, prove it to her, vice versa, it, it is a great constructive disagreement. I, but but, the, but in the, in the, that's the end point. But in the middle, we, we, we do have uh, disagreements and arguments, but, but actually I, I find it quite passionate and then I actually enjoy it. <laughs> it's like, why do you think we should have this? No, no, we should have this. We should have that. And we go back and forth. And so it's a, it's a special kind of marriage therapy then, I guess. It's oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think, uh, yeah, you can save a lot of money on therapy by just writing a book together. Well, fair <laughs> enough. I think, yeah, like the, the plausibility of, you know, the story is important and the science is really guiding guiding things but you don't want to sacrifice the story either so that's where we sort of try to, to balance things now have you learned anything about each other or about yourselves going through this process i mean I, i'm not sure how long you've been married but there are those moments of discovery where you kind of look at each other in a new light because of something that's happened in in the process of making this oh yes for me, it's been, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm quite a sensitive person, so I just start tearing up there. I, the things that Jennifer can create, and, you know, there's one word in this entire book that we made up, Persivious, but every other word has, exists, but then she puts these words together, and no one has ever done, done that before, and it's just incredible. And I'm good at what I do. I have good results uh, as, as a surgeon and 
and when I was training, I, I was training at Sick Kids in Toronto, very well known, world class hospital. And my my mentor, uh, Joel Pipisali, he was world renowned uh, pediatric urologist, and and he would say, "Oh, Anthony, I can't wait for the day you realize how good you are." And I think that of Jennifer when I, when I watch her write. It's incredible. And and the, and the day when the day comes where she realizes how good she is, I can't wait to see that. Because she'll be a thousand times better than she is now. Well, I can think of no better way to end the conversation with that than, than that. So congratulations on the publication of the first book. It is called Percivious Insomnia. We will definitely... Uh, have this in the review queue to uh, to put out and and get our own review out very soon. Uh, and looking forward to talking with you about the next book and and whatever other projects that you've got. Good luck with the press junket and all of your your publicity efforts on this. So uh, uh, the website. Let me go ahead and pull that one up here. It is percivious.com. And they are also, like Jennifer mentioned, they are also on Instagram, uh, so you can find them there. And then, of course, Percivious uh, Insomnia is on YouTube. They do have a YouTube channel as well, uh, so you can check that out. And we will put links to those in the show notes, so you can all check that out. Uh, Anthony, Jennifer Cook, thank you very much for joining us today. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much. And that's the show for today. Thanks very much for uh, joining us here. Uh, tomorrow is a free day. So I get to bounce around on a number of different topics, and we'll talk about uh, the Gal Gadot thing. And then, of course, tonight we've got uh, Alan Moore as our topic on the H2O po uh, podcast. Tomorrow night, brand new Salacious Crumbs with all the latest Star Wars news. We don't, I do hope you join us for those. On your way out, don't forget, uh, feel free to leave us a thumbs up. And uh, if you are uh, watching or listening in playback, uh, you are welcome to leave a comment. If you have a suggestion for a guest we should invite to the show, uh, we do want to hear that as well. You can leave us an email live from the bunker at scififorme.com. Also, uh, don't forget... We do have stickers available. If anybody wants one, you can send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to Sci-Fi for Me, 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. And, of course, don't forget the discount that we have over at SuperheroStuff.com where you can get 10% off your order when you use the promo code Sci-Fi for Me 10. And... That's it. That's all she wrote. So uh, we will be back tomorrow uh, with more Live from the Bunker. Don't forget, as you go through life, be bold, be daring, but always keep a hand on your wallet. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.